Hello and welcome to the weekend update. I'm Christopher Gallagher, and today we're going to be previewing the Celtic game against Hibs, which is live from Celtic Park at 3 pm on Saturday. As always, we've broken the podcast down into two different categories. We're going to start with uh, Sean Corrigan from the Hibs Ramble, a Hibernian uh, football club podcast. With Sean, we discuss, we get the lowdown on Hibs and how they're playing and the changes under Lee Johnson over the last couple of weeks and months. Uh, We also discuss fan media and uh, how the Hibernian fan podcasts, how the the lay of the land is over there. And we also have sort of general thoughts on Scottish football and uh, how we can improve it and such. We then go to Christian Wolfe and with Christian we do our opposition analysis, looking at how Hibs are playing, how Celtic can kind of counter their their play and an overall kind of uh, view of what Celtic need to do to beat them. Um, A lot of fun as usual with Christian. All the kind of cover of the news has been done on the Cynic Weekly, which is on your app in your RSS feed and on the website as well so check that out anything that hasn't been picked up uh, on the weekly will be picked up on Monday as well any questions that weren't asked uh, that were due on the weekly will also be picked up uh, next week so don't worry if you submitted a question and we've not quite got to it yet this weekend we will have the reaction to the Hibs game dropping on Saturday after the game myself Barry Gallagher and Chris Bowd will be recording from a secret location in Glasgow City Centre uh, so the reaction might be a little bit later but we'll be in person uh, and it should have a little bit of atmosphere around it and then on Sunday we have Paul Carlin's fantastic feature The Starting Eleven which features our very own Kieran Devlin this month so a really fantastic uh, weekend of coverage to get you through and obviously Celtic taking on Hibs the last sort of game before the international break so great stuff um, we'll have all the usual kind of coverage next week as, as we do uh, maybe some more features as well uh, so look out for that but without further ado let's go to Sean Corrigan and get the Hibs point of view I'm joined now by Sean Corrigan from the Hibs Ramble a podcast about Hibernian Football Club hello Sean how are you it's a pleasure to have you back sir yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you today? You all good? Not too bad. Looking forward to the, the big game at the weekend. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Hibs and uh, how you guys have been performing and stuff. Uh, before we get there, I wanted to ask, um, it's something we don't uh, often kind of have the opportunity to talk about, but it's just other kind of fan-led media podcasts and kind of organisations and, and how, firstly, how did the Hibs ramble come about and what's your kind of thoughts on how it's going? Uh, so... The two other, well, there's three of us, four of us in total, the other three um, as well. Mark and Liam, they started the Hibs Ramble off the back of, uh, they'd done a previous Hibs podcast called Hibs Talk. Right. Um, Hibs Talk then kind of developed and kind of grew arms and legs and developed like a, like a side podcast that, Separate from that, Hibs Talk Extra Time, uh, which Craig and Liam were heavily involved, uh, as well as being involved in the actual Hibs Talk side of things. That just kind of ran its course and kind of came to an end um, with kind of COVID and other commitments for others involved and stuff like that. But Liam and Craig were still quite hungry um, to kind of keep something like that going, but didn't want to kind of take over the Hibs Talk name. Yeah. At that point, they kind of wanted to be their own and start their own kind of journey. So they started that one. I've been I've been good mates with with Liam for maybe pushing ten years or something. Um so I was always kind of in, in contact with him about how it was getting on and things like that as well. 
Um, I actually gave him a wee bit of abuse when he, he didn't start the podcast without me, when it was just <laughs> him and Greg. I was like, you're going to get me on eventually, don't you worry about that. Um, and then Craig was on holiday one week and uh, Liam needed a, a space filled. Uh, so I suggested to him that because it was a free week as well, we maybe do like a, a shirt content kind of concept where we talk about previous hip shirts and things like that. Um, Liam thought it was a good idea as well. So we he got me on for that. I've got like a, a shirt page like on Twitter dedicated to just football shirt collecting and stuff like that. Oh, sweet. So he got me on for that. We discussed top 10 Hibs home and away shirts. Um, and then he obviously liked what, what, what I produced on the day. So he kept inviting me back. And then next thing I know, I'm, I'm there every week and um, doing the Instagram and the Twitter and stuff like that for it as well. So I personally really, really enjoy it. <clears throat> um, I've listened to, I'm a big I'm a big podcast fan myself personally, so um, I kind of prefer that to listening to the radio and yeah. sometimes when you're listening to music, it can kind of get a bit too familiar. So I like podcasts for that aspect of it, and it's just kind of grew arms and legs. Um, thankfully, the the club themselves have been very um, interactive with us as well, both online on on Twitter, but we've had considering that they only just started. I say they, Liam and Craig, we as a, as a podcast started in the summer. I think to say that we were, we're, we've done what we've done so far in regards to following and view count and things, I think we're way ahead is where we maybe thought we would be because there's three or four other Hibs podcasts as well. So we just try to put a different outlook on it all, a little bit more of a relaxed view, a little bit more joke, fun, you yeah. know, side of the game as well. Um, as well as bringing kind of the serious content that everyone really wants. So really, really enjoying it. We've had a couple of in-house um, interviews with the club. We've interviewed the manager and the CEO as well, which was good. We've done that a couple of weeks ago. So it's really good that the club are actually buying into the fan media. Um, and yeah, it's really, really, really enjoyable. So long may it continue. That's great stuff. That's really good to hear. Um uh, from our perspective, from Celtic, uh, not as not as necessarily. Keen Celtic to... don't really like to get involved with anything to do with their fans. I'll <laughs> say it. You don't need to say it. I'll say it. Yeah, there's a. I, they've been a lot better recently, but um, we get invited to the. There's a lot of Celtic po- podcasts. There's just right. a lot of them, and so there's a bit of a schedule about. You get to the press conferences, but it's like one every three or four months so mm-hmm. we don't really get access to the players or anything but it's really interesting that you get access to the manager and, and, and the players and, and stuff that's that must give you like a, an infinite kind of path of different content it certainly it fills us with a lot of confidence I think because <clears throat> it just kind of it's, it's quite fresh for us as a, as a new podcast on our own starting in the summer it's quite good that the club are happy to interact with the, the fan media and be so open uh, about it as well um I think it goes a lot. It goes a long way to say how good the relationship is between the club, and they understand the importance of any podcasts or, or fan media outlets as well. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really, really good. I was quite surprised that we managed to get both Lee and and Ben um, on the same podcast. But yeah, it was it was good, and they done podcasts with the other ones as well. Because as you can imagine, different podcasts will have different approaches and stuff. Yeah. So by the time we had them, we were very 
cautious of asking them similar questions and you know repeating the same thing so um we've had really really good feedback from them directly whether they're just saying it you know to make us feel good or just to try and keep us sweet you don't know but um all three of the podcasts asked similar questions but in a different way and got different answers that's great not because they were just trying to you know spout nonsense to try and keep fans happy but we got different podcasts got different in-depth answers about different things so i think it helped certainly with our approach we felt that they were more relaxed and we had a joke and a laugh with them as well and we got, we got to try and bring out their you know their personal side which considering the run we were on at the beginning of the year I th- we really wanted to try and get their personal side out as well instead of just looking at them as a manager of our football club and a CEO do you know what I mean yeah to- totally get it man that, that could, that's a really good perspective to kind of approach the manager himself uh, the last time we talked um, I think there was still a little air of oh, I don't not fully yeah. convinced how are you feeling about him now um, well the, la- the last time we spoke was the beginning of the terrible run <laughs> Yeah. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen again because then that'll take us to the end of the season and we'll be struggling. But um, yeah, the last time we spoke was just after the Dundee United defeat, which I st- we were wrongly done. It was the week before VR, a week or two before VR came in. Yeah. We had a goal ruled out that was onside. And then from then on, we only won two games in 11. Um, the vast majority of the support were wanting Johnson out. Um I always tried to pose the question, well, if the whole Sean Maloney incident or debacle hadn't happened, Lee Johnson probably would have been sacked. Yeah. Because of how short the Sean Maloney tenure was. Um, So maybe in Lee Johnson's favour, thankfully, we had went through that because then the board weren't as, as trigger happy and were more confident that they had the right man in charge and they had their man in charge. I personally was never Lee Johnson out. Um, I could understand the type of football he was trying to bring to the club and the philosophy he was trying to implement when we last spoke. Yeah. Yes, we might have lost nine out of 11 games and won two after we'd spoke or that was the beginning of, of that run. The vast majority of those performances, you could kind of still see what he was trying to do. It wasn't helped with um, injuries as much as the Scottish media might think Hearts is the only team that have had big injuries this season um, it's insane we, we've had loads we, I mean Aidan McGeady's injured again Yeah, I think he's only played seven games this season and of those seven, game, seven games we were unbeaten um, we've got Kevin Nisbet that was out for a long term Kukarevich out for a long term Martin Boyle Paul Hanlon was out for a bit Rocky Bashiri out for a bit so all these key players that had been at the club for a long period of time, apart from Kukarevich, obviously, but and McGeady knows the Scottish game, the vast majority of our injured players were key members of our squad. So it came as no surprise to me anyway that as we started to get them back a little bit more, our form started to pick up. The performances were always there or thereabouts, but we just didn't have that cutting edge. Yeah, Kevin Nisbet comes in, scores seven and seven, and then we go on a little unbeaten run. It, it, for me, it was no surprise. Yeah, it seems like just kind of looking at your kind of results and like look throughout the season, it's like kind of like chunks of, of like victories or kind of defeats. You go on maybe three or four victories and three or four defeats. As, as a fan, I'd imagine that's quite hard to kind of kind of comprehend kind of support. Most, yeah, <laughs> most fans would probably look at it like that. Hibs fans, 
I'm not surprised. <laughs> like, like this isn't anything new. Like we'll go on a run and then we'll go on another run. It's 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 very typical. But what what we were frustrated with is how long these runs are. Yeah, if that makes sense. So like under Lee Johnson, two wins in eleven, and under Jack Ross, we, we didn't win a game in eleven games as well. And then there was, although Sean Maloney's tenure was still quite short, we went under. I think it was like two. Six, two separate six game runs without a win. Yeah. So it comes in periods like that, which as a Hibs fan is very, very frustrating because we know the quality that is there at times anyway. We just can't seem to implement it for a long period of time. Um, see, in regards to obviously um, Lee Johnson and, you know, you're on a pretty decent run just now. Uh, obviously, the, the defeat to Rangers is a bit of a, well, we can so, talk We can talk about that, but. Um, has he done a lot? Is he changed his style, or is he, is he trying to kind of be consistent in how they're playing stylistically? I, I said on we recorded our podcast in the the, the preview for the Celtic game uh, last night, which wasn't an upbeat podcast. <laughs> let me tell you that, considering the the Rangers defeat and then obviously facing you guys. But when when we came to Celtic Park, he tried to go for a little bit, and then kind of retracted what he tried to do and then changed the shape and then from Celtic Park he changed it to a 3-5-2 and that kind of coincided with our drop in form because it was up until Celtic Park it was 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, that's all it was press, 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 attack, attack, attack win the ball as high as you can Lee Johnson's got this really winning the ball back within 6 seconds and, and then breaking fast after the defeat at, at Dundee United coming into the Celtic Park game initially at, at the end of last year that just kind of seemed to go out the window completely and he seemed to try and completely change it and we still had a lot of our strong players at that point, we still had Martin Boyle Ellie Yuan was still performing but not getting his goals, Kukarevich was coming onto a game and it just I, I don't know what it was he just kind of had a complete mindset change, right I'm going to go with this shape and he ran with that shape for a while and that coincided with our you know our form and our poor poor running results yeah and then as we've started to get more of our players back um in the January and towards the end of January and he's went back to the 4231 and the 433 which has definitely played a massive part with the recruitment that we made in January it makes no it's no surprise to me that the quality of the performances as as well as the points that we've picked up have, have improved since then. Yeah, um, you know, Kevin Nisbet was obviously kind of on the road down to Millwall, I think it was. Um, yeah. Him staying has obviously been a massive boost. What else has happened since kind of January from a personnel point of view that's, you know, helped with this good run? Uh, Egan, Egan Riley, chat, I can't remember his first name. He's got like two, he's got a double barrel first name and a double barrel second name, but Egan Riley... Boy, we got from on loan from Burnley, uh, heavily, heavily rated down there. He was part of the Man City youth setup. Wow. Um, he came in. He moved to Burnley when Vincent Company got the job, so he's obviously highly thought of by him. And then we've took him on loan. Plays centre half. Plays right back. Uh, plays right wing back. Plays centre mid. So he covers a vast majority of an area of the park that we needed to improve him. Yeah. He his first game was Ross County away in January where he came on and I don't really think he's put a foot wrong. I think he's been very, very strong and very, very good in all the positions. Normally 
you see when a player plays in one position, they're really, really strong, but they're maybe not as strong in the other positions if they get moved about the park. Yeah. Not, not Egan Riley. He's been really, really solid for us in all, uh, all the positions and all the games, excluding the, the Rangers game there. Um, Jimmy Jago signed from, uh, Austrian side, I think. Um, in and around that part of the world. <laughs> Uh, Australian international centre midfielder, more of a holder. The jury's out on him with the support. Uh, well, not us as a podcast. We we highly rate him, but a lot of the support, um, the hip support, are very very critical. So they want they want a player like Marvin Bartley that we used to have. We now have a player in Jimmy Jago that is similar to Marvin Bartley that breaks up the play, releases the ball to the good players, and lets the good players do the stuff. Yeah, Hibs fans are now criticising that he's not good enough on the ball. So it's like, make your mind up, what do you want? Because when we had Mark Milligan and we had Marvin Bartley, they were there to do that job. We got rid of them. You moaned that we didn't have that type of player. Hibs fans then complained that we wanted someone that was good on the ball. So we tried Josh Campbell in that role. We tried Stephen Allen in that role and then moaned that they weren't physical enough. So you know what you know what football fans are like, so they're very critical. Um, I think we've got a really, really solid replacement in, in Jimmy Jago in centre midfield. Him and Egan Riley together have played the last two or three games in centre midfield together, been very, very solid. Um, Jimmy Jago gets caught in the ball now and again, but again, he's he's not really there to do anything other than break up the play. Yeah, um, He's started a few good attacks in the last couple of games as well, but... Um, like a lot of the players that were on the pitch against Rangers, they were just not at the races. Um, that's probably the, the main two that we've kind of picked up that have, have made a, a massive impact in, in January. Um, see, in regards to Ewan Henderson, he was a, a young player that obviously was kind of highlighted at Celtic and he didn't get his opportunity. A lot of people were disappointed when he left. Every yeah. time I've, I've kind of watched Tibbs and, you know, I, I watch them when they're on TV and stuff and sometimes watch the 3pm kickoffs. Um, if Celtic aren't playing, obviously. But he always seems to be on the bench. And I, I know he started against Rangers, but yeah. is is he just a bit inconsistent or what's the story? He's, he's not very well liked within the hip support, <laughs> if I'm being completely... I, I really like him, right? But I love his brother for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so I've got a lot of time for, for Ewan as well. I... I personally see a lot of good attributes in him that need to be coached properly. Yeah. And I think Lee Johnson will get that out of him. I think it's just trying to find where to play him and how to get the best out of him. He's really good at not letting his head drop because his his style of play, as you'll know, he'll want to get on the ball, he'll want to spray passes about, he'll want to set people up. He's not necessarily a box-to-box midfielder. He's, in my eyes, he's more of like a... We're, get, we're going towards the end of a cycle in football where your number 10s were previously luxury players that, like a, like a, like a Scott Allen, for example, right? I'll just use that, Scott Allen, although he never, never got a game at Celtic Park. But for, from a Hibs perspective, or a Mesut Ozil, that's probably a better one. Yeah. A glamorous number 10, middle of the park, sets people up, Wins the ball, gets the ball from your centre midfielder, sprays passes about, and tries to you know your your playmaker, so to speak. We're getting to the end of uh, a period in football where I think that's kind of coming out the game where to do that isn't enough. Yeah, you need to be able to work your backside off as well. You need to be able to run fifteen kilometers a game and 
Ewan Henderson just doesn't have that in him. And for what Lee Johnson is wanting to do and the style he's wanting to play, Ewan Henderson is a perfect fit for that. He just doesn't have the energy to be able to do it for 90 minutes. Right. We can see it in five, 10 minute spells here or there. He's got a good couple of goals this season, a good couple of assists, two or three really good games where he stepped up for maybe 45, 50 minutes. But he's never going to be able to, he's never going to be a 90 minute player. Um, I'll exclude the Rangers game again, but we played St. Mirren at home and he was one of the best players on the park and he was spraying balls right, left and centre. He got a goal himself, but he was burst by 60 minutes and had to come off. Yeah. The only reason he didn't come off is because he scored on the, like in around the 60th minute and that kept him on. So he, he, he's had a tough time of it, probably because Josh Campbell's been in such rich, veiny form as well. Mm-hmm. And he's been playing through the middle. Lee Johnson clearly rates him because he, he, if he didn't, he would have put him out on loan with the 40 other bodies that he sent out in January that he got rid of. So he clearly rates him. I can understand why he rates him. I think it's just trying to find the best shape and position for him. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so obviously we've we've played you a couple of times this season and we've scored a couple of goals. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on the performances against Celtic? Uh, unsurprising, if I'm honest. And I don't think that's anything against Hibs. I think that's more of a compliment towards Ange and, and Celtic more than anything else. Um, just they're just relentless. And I think it was a learning curve for Lee Johnson, the game at Celtic Park. I mean, he came out and said it himself. I personally don't think he's learned that much from it because he's made similar mistakes against Hearts at Tynecastle, and he made a similar mistake um, the previous week there to Rangers where he didn't make the tactical changes at the right time. Yeah. And his setup beforehand probably wasn't right. Well, definitely wasn't right because we lost those games as well. So... I don't think it's a case of looking at how we've performed in those games. I think it's how good have Celtic been in those games that they've not allowed us to even get out of first gear. And Celtic haven't even got out of third, second or third gear when they've played us because they've been that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, they've, they've just been on it, which is great for you, but not so good for us. And I think it's just making sure that this time round, if, when something similar happens at the weekend, that level of performance, if it's a poor one, doesn't continue. Yeah. That makes sense like it did the last time. Yeah, I can imagine just kind of see that as a kind of one-off game sort of thing and kind of build around that. Obviously, the game against Rangers, um, you went to a back five. Is that right? Kind of with three slash... It was a four, then it was a five, then it was a three. Johnson seems to have this thing about changing shape if it's not going well. Um mid-game, but not changing the personnel. And every time he changes the personnel, it seems to be too late. Yeah. So, um, yeah, initially started, it was a four, um, which I was glad about because of our seven that we were unbeaten in the league before that, it was a four at the back. We were at home. I don't feel like we should have moved to a five. Um, We certainly shouldn't have moved to a five when we were three, four, one down anyway. Um, but I understand Kenny why he done it because he wanted to get more strikers on the pitch and can he change it to a three five two? But yeah, it started as a a four, it then moved to a three five two. But between the change, he was trying to get Kukarevic and Nisbet on because they both started on the bench, which again I feel it was the wrong decision. And th- those changes should have been made at half time. Yeah, he made them too late, and Rangers scored the fourth just before they came on. So the game's then out of sight. So. That's what I'm referring to about 
there's been three or four key instances where this season Lee Johnson has made the right changes, but at the wrong time. Yeah, we needed maybe five, ten minutes, fifty minutes earlier. So, yeah, <clears throat> sounds like Gordon Strachan when he was managing Celtic. Um, but don't, don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, see, in regards to you know how teams are kind of coming to Celtic Park with you know, I'm just going to say with the exception of Rangers, but Rangers seem to be kind of playing a very defensive block against us. Um, is it going to be? Do you think on Saturday that he'll just kind of low block defensive setup, try and hit us in the counter, or will he try and? surprise everyone and be open a little bit more open again i'm i'm very intrigued to listen I, I think i think we'll get beat i'll put it out there right now i don't think we'll get anything from the match um but i am more intrigued to see one the team selection he goes with and two the level of performance that the team give yeah um mainly because of the the three results that i mentioned previously where I, he says he's learned his mistakes, but he's totally not. I'm quite intrigued to see if he actually makes a change either in shape or philosophy for the game. Listen, you can't go toe-to-toe with Celtic in the league. It's just not going to work. Um, I think he's have scored 44 goals and conceded eight at home and won 14 out of your 14 league games at home. Like it, It's just sheer stupidity to go toe-to-toe or we're going to be looking at another five or six. So... For me, I would want the shape to stay the same. I would want some level of performance to stay similar to his philosophy, but be a little bit more game smart. And what I mean by that is just pick and choose your opportunities. If we if we get the right team selection with the right players, we maybe stand a little bit more of a chance of not getting our results. I really don't think we will. Keeping the score down, and I know that sounds very, very defeatist, but when you're up against Angie Celtic, I think that's, as a fan, that's probably the only way that you can maybe look at it. Um, we would need you to be on a four or a five out of 10, and we would need to be a 10 out of 10, especially with his his Celtic side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we, obviously we've covered it this week on our podcast, but, you know, the performance against Hearts at Tynecastle, I think was, it, it, was a, it was a weirdly eye-opening because we didn't really get out of second gear and we absolutely you know, slapped them about, which was yeah. a, a lot of fun. Because uh, I wish I could do that. Yeah, I I could do <laughs> yeah. That. We're not. We're, we're not. We're not. We don't hate them as much as you, probably, but we do dislike them quite a yeah. bit. So um, it was good. Good from that point of view. I'm just looking at the. You know, looking at the league table. Um, you're fourth in the league. You're only five points behind Hearts. Um, yeah. So best best team on the planet, apparently, and we're only five five points behind them. I don't know how that's possible, but uh, I mean, yeah, it is catchable. Is it catchable? Um, I mean, mathematically, it's catchable. Um, if it was Hibs, which it is, I would say it's probably not catchable <laughs> because we'll probably go on another run of dropping points when we shouldn't be dropping points. But um, listen, I think the most important thing for us is concentrating on the games that we have and concentrating on getting as many points as we can. Lee Johnson was, everyone was wanting Lee Johnson out the door six weeks ago. And we're now sitting in a European spot and the Hibs fans are talking about getting their passports out. I mean, I've booked holidays already. So, like, do you know what I mean? It'd be, <laughs> it'd be, very, an, inconvenient. It'd be an inconvenience for you if you got European football now. So, you know. Well, well, we'll wait and see. So, um, yeah, it is catchable. Five points isn't isn't big. They still need to play use again and Rangers again after the split. But again, so do we. So, but... It, 
on the flip side, you would be coming to Easter Road and we'd be going to Ibrox. I'd feel more confident about picking something up then mm-hmm. instead of you know coming to Celtic Park. So you you realistically you need sell, uh, you need Hearts to drop a few more points. I actually think that they will drop a few more points before now in the split because the teams that they're playing are all fighting for something, whether it's top six or relegation. A lot of the Hearts performances this season and even last season, they're relentless in getting the three points, but a lot of their performances aren't really that good at times and they have to keep changing changing shape and changing starting 11 because of Robbie Nielsen's level of happiness with his consistent main 11 and with the injuries that they've got as well. So I think they will drop a few points, but it's all fine and well if they're dropping points. We need to concentrate on beating Motherwell, beating Dundee United, beating St. Johnston, and 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 picking up the points that we can before before the split, and if we get a result against them as well when we play them, then that obviously go a long way into it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just we'll finish up. I just I wanted to kind of bring up um, big old big old Craig Levine, big old big playing no strikers up front. Craig Levine, big old arsehole Craig Levine, um, and he was obviously talking about Celtic and Rangers leaving. Scottish football and how the league's really uncompetitive and and all these kind of platitudes that are kind of rolled out. Blame everything on Celtic and Rangers, which, by the way, I can kind of understand. I, I understand why. I understand why other fans would look at Celtic and be like, "We hate you. You win all the trophies and all that." And I totally get it. So I'm not naive enough to think, "Why would you hate us?" That's fine. But do you think that if Celtic and Rangers left the league, that it would like? It's almost like there's this idea that Celtic and Rangers leave the league and the league becomes this mythical, competitive, great league that all the issues are solved. I mean, I think there's a level of complete naivety to that idea. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that because that was our main topic topic on last night's podcast that we recorded. Um, it's it is a it is a strange one. Um, if I'm honest, listen, I enjoy playing Celtic and Rangers, albeit we never. Especially Celtic, we've we beat us in two thousand and five at Celtic Park, and we beat us in two thousand and ten at Celtic Park. Other than that, that's the only victories in in my lifetime in thirty years right. at Celtic Park. Do you know what I mean? So I, I have no right to enjoy playing Celtic, but I, I do because Celtic and Rangers bring some level of of glamour to the league for from those looking out into Scottish football. Yes. The vast majority of Scottish football don't like Celtic or Rangers, and I can understand their argument to that as well. Um, the thing is, Celtic and Rangers are so hell bent on winning everything all the time, and as they should, they've done it for long enough. My concern as a Celtic or Rangers supporter would be if you guys were to move into a, a Super League or the English Premier League, you're not going to be winning titles every week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're you're not going to get bought over by like a billionaire or a Saudi group straight away. So you're not necessarily going to be able to compete for major honours at that point. So I'd be quite intrigued to see how the fans would take to looking at it from that perspective. I'm sure you'll maybe be able to answer that in a sec. But I think it's maybe being careful what you wish for more than anything else, whether it's a Celtic Rangers fan or whether it's anyone else in Scottish football. For me, the main issue is the TV deal. The TV deal stops any conversation of reconstruction in any way because the TV deal 
means that there has to be a mandatory uh, four old firm games and they all need to be on TV. So therefore, if you're expanding the league, based on the TV deal, everyone still needs to play four times. But at the moment, we're playing four times and playing 38 games. So you can't physically extend the league. I think that extending the league would be the right thing to do, not getting rid of Celtic or Rangers, because although I do think the league would be interesting without them, you're then going to, five or ten years down the line of Celtic Rangers leaving this, leaving Scottish football, you're then going to have potentially Celtic, uh, sorry, you're going to have Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, and maybe a another being your main competitors for the title each year, as you do in England, as you do in Spain, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, England. Yes, Man City have won it five of the last six seasons, but they're still there or thereabouts. Liverpool are, are getting 99 points and still not winning the league. So I think from that perspective, I think the league would be interesting if they left. Uh, I don't think it would solve all the problems, though. I think for me, the, the, the problem is the, the TV deal. That's that's the main problem. If you If you extend the league to 16 or 18 teams, I don't think it would allow a team to topple over Celtic or Rangers and go and win the league. I don't think that. You would need... Hearts, Hibs or Aberdeen to be bought over by a billionaire. And it would be a very good investment prospect for someone like that to do because at the moment, third and fourth guarantees European football, right? Yeah. So someone bought that over and say hypothetically Hibs got third place for five, six years in a row and were guaranteed European football for five, six years in a row. That's extra money coming in. We would need to spend that wisely to try and close the gap, but at the same time, we would then need you guys to fall off a bit. We would need you to have a, a Neil Lennon second era. We would need um, Rangers to have a, a like a Pedro Cachina type era where they're signing diddies and they're just not able to gel. So at the same time, we would need the coefficient to stay up. So, to get back to your, your original question, no, I don't think Celtic and Rangers leaving would be the right thing. Um, the, for me, excluding the old firm or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, excluding you guys, I actually think that the rest of the league is extremely competitive. Hearts last season were very consistent, which is rare for a team to finish third and be so consistent. That's why Hearts haven't done it that often. That's why. Aberdeen haven't done it that often when both Celtic and Rangers have been in the league and that's why Hibs have only done it twice in 22, 23 years. So from third down to 10th for the last two seasons, everybody's beaten everybody. Ross County, Livingston, Kilmarnock are going away to Aberdeen and Hearts and Hibs and getting points and getting three points. Aberdeen last season, sorry, Livy last season gave us a doing Easter road. So did Ross County. So the rest of the league for me is extremely competitive. But to try and close the gap in any way we would need to realistically play Celtic and Rangers less. And we can't physically do that with the current TV deal, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, really great points. Really good listening. Um, what I would say just to kind of add add to that is what really frustrates me is, uh, as a Scottish football fan, which I, I definitely am, I, I love Scottish I don't want Celtic to go anywhere. We're a Scottish, we're a Scottish football team. Why, why should we leave? Um, but what really frustrates me is it's not... I'll, do you know, Celtic and Rangers in, being in the league 
shouldn't lead to Motherwell losing to a League of Ireland team, and it shouldn't yeah. lead to Kilmarnock losing to Newquay, uh, the, the the Welsh team. Yeah. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of Celtic and Rangers are the, are, are the big bad, and they're holding us back. And I, I I get why people sometimes say that, but at the same time, these some of these clubs just need to be better run. Um, Hearts, for example, yeah. have got the exact, they've got tw- the twice the size of transfer budget and budget in general as Bodo Glimt. And Bodo Glimt scudded us in Europe last season and got to the quarterfinals. Why? Mm-hmm. So that. The, the frustration of I just think a lot of Scottish football clubs are badly run, and if they had a little bit of if they were just and I'm not telling anybody how to run their football club, you know we've we're fucking problems doing it on, on our own. So I totally understand the issues with it, but I think you're right on the TV deal, hundred percent. I think the TV deal should be a hundred. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be against giving smaller clubs more money, etc. Maybe working something out like that. Totally, I get that. But um, I look, we're we're here and we're we're not going anywhere. So get used to it. I think um, just lastly on on that when when you mentioned about kind of the, the wage budgets that Motherwell and and Kilmarnock when they got beat by those other teams and realistically I completely agree with that point. I, there was a I think I seen something online earlier on in the week when they were talking about this discussion where the wage budget between Man City and Southampton, in mind Southampton at this point were bottom of the league in the Premiership. Is like three times it, the, the wage budget Southampton is like it's like three times a difference. So that's from top to bottom of the league. Yeah, and the wage difference between Rangers and Hearts, which is second and third, was between eight to twelve times the budget, if not more. So yes, I understand the level of spending power that comes into it, but again, it comes back to the TV deal point. The reason why the the wage bill down down south, which everyone seems to want to compare us to down south. The reason why it's a lot closer down there in regards to competitiveness is because of the amount of money that they can pump in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. deemed as the best league in the world. Because realistically, from an outsider looking in, no one really cares about the rest of the teams in the SPFL apart from Celtic and Rangers because it has that level of glamour to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I can understand both points, but um, I think, it, like I said, it comes down to it comes down to finances and anyone out with Celtic and Rangers shouldn't be getting beat by someone from the League of Ireland, the League of Wales and, and, and things like that. Certainly not, because the, the level of quality is, is much, much better. And I completely agree that a lot of the clubs need to be run better. Yeah. And fi- the final point is as well, uh, we need to not forget how badly run, had how badly administrated, how, how badly the administrators of Scottish football are. I mean, we didn't have a league sponsor for, for long enough, yeah. you know, like... These are people who are completely incompetent who we need to get rid of. Listen, Sean, this is, we could talk for hours, I'm <laughs> sure, but this has been an absolute joy. Um, I'd like to wish you good luck on, on Saturday, but I just can't. Sorry. I think we both we both know we both know what way it's going. So, um, but yeah, it is what it is. I completely understand. Yeah, have a have a hopefully um, hopefully you have a um, a good day on Saturday, and uh, I hope you for the rest of the the rest of the the league um, campaign. I hope you you stick it to hearts and get it so far up them. Uh, hopefully, thank you very much. Cheers, Thanks for having me. Cheers. I am joined now on Stats and Tactics Corner by our very good friend Christian Wolf. Hello, Christian. How are you? Hello, Christopher. We're back. Feels like it's been a week as it has. Yes. And here we are to uh, preview another 
one of those teams. One of those teams. We're, we're here to preview uh, Celtic uh, taking on Hibs at Celtic Park on Saturday, 3pm. Um, so, Christian, this is the kind of end of, you know, uh, we had the pre-World Cup collection of fixtures. This is the post-World Cup collection of fixtures. We've been in tremendous form. Um, Hibs at home, is that a good way to finish out? Fantastic way to finish out. That's, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I don't believe in jinx. I think Celtic will win 15 nil Jesus after Christ. having watched some. Um, yes, it's, it's, I think everything is lined up so well. It's, it's quite terrifying how, how, uh, how, how, how good this hips team might actually be as, as a fit for Celtic as we've seen so far as well. So yeah, you know, big pitch, a uh, team that give, likes to give you a lot of space usually. Uh, I tell you what, they might even come and play a back four, which would be delightful. Um, somebody actually has to sit and watch these games back uh, and have seen uh, back fives in my sleep <laughs> for the last few months. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, we were talking to, I was talking to Sean from the um, the Hibs Ramble and obviously the last kind of league game they had was that, that defeat to Rangers. Um, they've been on quite a good run uh, before that. I mean, if you look at their kind of their, their league games, they're undefeated in seven before that Rangers game. They obviously lost to, to Hearts in the in the Scottish Cup as well. But um, he, he kind of makes it out and, you know, that essentially Hibs really, Lee Johnson has one way he wants to play. And that is essentially probably more attacking. He's got this rule where he says that when Hibs lose the ball long term, their idea is that they have to win the ball back in seven seconds. Are you seeing any of that from what from your analysis? Oh, that's you know I think it's the Red Bull like under uh, our friend Ragnick uh, it was four seconds. Oof. So you know, it's just, I guess it's, you have to start somewhere. Um, so yeah, Hibs. I think overall, you know, starting with the stats on hips, because everything, all the underlying stats for them, puts them like comfortably like third and fourth best team in the league. You know, you know, expected points, they're third in, in front of hearts, you know, about four expected points in front of hearts. Same with the XG, they're, they're, they're third, they had the third most shots. And if you look at stuff like, you know, I'm going to share some images. So images labeled report. You can see some of these stats uh, as well. You know, the third most shots. If you look at their possession, again, fourth most passes, third highest possession. Pressing stats, you know, they're second on our old friend PPDA. Passes permitted per defensive action. Uh, fourth in terms of how many possessions the winning oppositions have. So, and even if you look at stuff like the defensive side, they're, you know, fourth in XG conceded, third in allowing opponents into the final third, fifth in allowing them into their own penalty box. The only kind of, if you look at this stat report, the only thing that kind of jumps out is their 10th in terms of the average chance quality of the chances they concede. So I think everything you look at the stats, I think you see like Lee Johnson probably has a formula, yes, that works well against teams with worse players than you, right? Uh, 
But I think that's where it starts falling off a cliff, right? So even the last two games against Celtic lost 6-1 and 4-0 against Rangers this season, like the 4-1 game, we'll, we'll get back to that. That's like a big part of analysis. Horrendous game. like And, and still like they've lost 3-2 and then a 2-2 um, against Rangers. So conceded oh, the last three games versus Celtic and Rangers, three losses, two scored 14 conceded. But even if you look at games like against Hearts, like lost the last two 3-0, and even a team like Aberdeen is a funny one because to beat him 6-0, but then they lost 4-1 and the 1-3-1. So I think overall you can see that against most teams in the league. Yeah, I think the way they're playing, just by the, the average, you know, quality of their players, you know, they're doing quite well. Their fourth underlying stats probably put them a bit higher. Um, but there is definitely something in the way hips play where once I think and it's definitely for me it's something the way they, they set up and the way they're structured, maybe some of the players as well. Like when you meet a team like Celtic, uh, like Rangers, even 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 Hearts, even though kind of those games kind of live as a little bit of a life of themselves, just fall apart. See, uh, in regards to the you know the the pressing stats and them being you know a second in PPDA and stuff like. Is that a big part of the game? Like stylistically, what is Lee Johnson trying to do? I think it's, it's, I think he's one of the few team like teams in the league that very much, at least against Celtic and Rangers, play with a back four. I think you know they do go to the back three sometimes, but often it's it's very much four, two, three, one. You know it's. And it's very much a four-two-three-one that was in in vogue, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, even. And and I think they were one of the teams that that tried to play out from the back um, a little bit more than anybody else. So you know, I've come here and complained a lot about trying to find when Celtic is facing another team, unless they face Rangers or Celtic in any sort of way. Um, you know, she probably hasn't played Celtic recently, so, so, so Rangers, unless they played Rangers recently, there's hardly any way of finding out how does this team set up against a team that plays out from the back because nobody plays out from the back. The only exception to that is usually hips because they, they, against other teams, they, they do try to play out from the back of it and, and they do have players with that kind of quality as well on the ball. I, I think this is a team whose, whose strength is very much on the ball and and they can and that's kind of I guess where they set out to hurt Celtic and Rangers as well because it's it's just weirdly been a couple of small periods in the last two Celtic games quite early on where they've had the ball much and they've kind of tried to play and they've kind of come to a couple of chances half chances and and so on but tell you what out of possession especially against like Celtic and Rangers they are bad and they yeah. are so bad. So, you know, as I said, for, for Celtic, this is like, should in a way be a perfect recipe, right? Just, you have to be a little bit careful in terms of, because they, they can play, uh, you know, they have good 
ball, players on the ball, but as he wants to lose the ball, they're just a mess, a complete mess. Why, why do you think that is? Like, if, if some, if, you know, Lee Johnson's got this sort of style, and I know it'll probably just come down to players not, you know, heeding advice and all that and being doing what they're supposed to do, but like, if, if you're going to play with such a specific kind of style and when you lose the ball, like, why aren't they falling back? Like, when Celtic lose the ball, we fall back into positions that we know that we have to protect what we've got, right? And you can see that, and that's obviously how, how we play and win the ball back and all that, which is very much what Lee Johnson's saying. But why are they so bad when they don't have the ball? Yeah, that's a good question. They, they shouldn't be. It, like, I can't fathom how bad they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> in these and it's, I think there's a couple of things. It's, it is structurally, yeah. I don't think Lee Johnson is very good at this. Like quite frankly, you know, in terms of setting up and, and thinking like that, and then, then if you go through a game like the one against Rangers, like there's so many stupid personal decisions in terms of just pressing and and trying to like that's a lot of ball chasing. It's it's just it doesn't seem to be very drilled. It doesn't seem very practiced. It doesn't seem very thought through. Um, and you know we we come you know well I come and complain about you know teams setting up in a five three two but overall you know it is unless you can do unless you can match Celtic almost player by player it's probably the best way to go in, in a way yeah because it is obviously then a little bit more risky playing with a back four but the way Hibs does it it's just just murder I mean I mean the, the, the like the way they tried to set up, like we can get into why they're so bad, but if you look at image one and image two, you can you can kind of see what they're trying to do, right? Um image one is a nice overview of like the whole pitch and you can kind of see you know as I said, quite a bug standard four, two, three, one. You have the two central midfielders, you have the two wingers in this game. Um uh, of, I forgot his name. Hold on. Um, Yuan on one side and Ewan Henderson on the other, and then uh, Campbell behind uh, Hoppe, Hoppe, uh, the American Matt Hoppy, uh, who is, oh, I'll get back to him. He's shocking in the press as well. But um, so, yeah, you know, target man up front, three, three behind them, two center, like deeper midfielders in, in a straight back four. So, and you can see they're kind of lined up against Rangers, you know, what we talked about before, like their lines of four lines of two players and their fullbacks okay. wide. And image two is kind of like, uh, kind of a little bit closer where you can see, you know, how this sets out in practice, really. So I, I think that the idea, if you're talking, okay, what, are, what they're trying to do, what is Lee Johnson trying to do with this when Rangers tries to play out here, when, when they're going to face Celtic now as well? What are they trying to do? And I think image three is kind of like a still of three images. And when Rangers tried to build up, and I think one of the few faces where the hips kind of managed to stop them quite well. And, and you know, they, they were tight between the lines. One of those midfield twos, Jago uh, jumps up um, to kind of help out, you know, the, the tree behind the striker. And with that, one of the centre-backs, Hanlon, jumps up as well. So there's not much space between the lines. They narrow between the lines. You know they stay close together, and you know they manage to press ranges wide. So I think that was kind of like the the idea, like to keep everything compact. You know you have players jumping up, one of the deeper midfielders jump up, and then the centre back jumps up to, to do that, and they have those rotations. So a couple of times it worked in the first half, but 
more often than not, just didn't work. And we'll, we can have a deep dive into that. But yeah, it's. I think it's just really bad, Kristen. I just don't think it's just, it's just really bad at setting up a team defensively. That's what it looks like. So, uh, the, obviously, the, the defeat to, to Rangers was pretty horrendous. Talk us through the, yeah. kind, of, the kind of main kind of points on it. Well, there's loads of them, right? But yeah, it's structurally, as I said, there's this the main issue structurally for me is there's this big distances between those kind of lines and also within those lines. Um, and sometimes they're too narrow, sometimes they're too wide, sometimes they're too spread out, sometimes the back line is too high, sometimes <laughs> when there isn't pressure on the ball carrier, sometimes the back line is too low and there's too much space. To, to me, like, it's weird when looking at hips, you have a team that, you know, as you say, like they want to attack, you know, they want to play the ball, but they've got nothing defensively. It's like, see that nightmarish version we had of what Ange Postecoglou Celtic might look out, like that all-out attack, but it just, just like, Goodness. it's like nightmare Celtic hips, really. Um, so they can go and beat Aberdeen 6-0, but then they can just you know, get turned over so easily. So, I've kind of tried like a few images, a lot of different things that they struggle with. Like when they're pressing a bit higher, for example, sometimes image four, they're just too narrow. So for example, in image four, you see it's Ben Davis that is taking the ball out to center back. He's taking it past this, the hip striker. And you can see how narrow you and Henderson and, and the other winger is on the other side. And then, you know, they're just giving up so much space on each side. So Ben Davis can just slide the ball very easily out to Barisic, the second part of that. And it's, you know, just kind of giving up that space. It's like kind of very ball watching. And then obviously you look at when the ball goes out to Barisic, the back line is probably too deep and, and the, you know, the... Um, the fullback on that side, the, the hips fullback, he's also very narrow. So you suddenly you give me up all these spaces um, uh, out wide as well. You know, Chris Cadden is uh, on the right back. Who's, you know, we'll get back to him as well, honestly. You can pick anybody here. So it, that's just a, a dodgy press. And then again, image five, when they try to kind of push ranges out to one side, English five, you can see how big a gap in the middle opens up. And it's just, it's a lot compounded by okay, I don't think the lines are structured well, but you have some really, really odd pressing decisions in this team. Now Hop, um, I'm gonna go with Hop. Matt nah, Hop. He's got the E at the end of the day. I don't know if it's that, but it's American. Um so image five is that you can kind of see that hips are trying to press ranges out wide, and then in the, there's a big gap in the middle of the pitch, but a hop is he's right on Raskin there, but yeah. then when the ball goes back to Golson, it, it it just runs towards Golson and runs away from Raskin, who's now all alone in the middle of the pitch. Oh, that's like, insane! And I highly recommend the listeners to to, to look at this. And the image six is, six is, is just the same, whereas they're pressing out wide. The ball goes back to Golson. Hop is in the middle. And he can kind of get into that space where both actually Jack and Raskin is there. He just runs after Goldson again. And he, he's, 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 there's no, it's just like head down, 
straight place. And then there's also examples like this, like if, if you get a bit, a bit further, image seven, you can see the space Raskin uh, has got in the middle again. Jesus. Um, you know, they're pressing out wide, but then at this point, I think it's Joanne, like the, the right winger of hips. It's, it's just, it's just a mess, but the really kind of, you can, this is all from the first half, really. You could pick so many examples, but image eight, I think you think, when you look at how bad the pressing is structurally and also personally, because image eight is like, it's, the ball is being played. Like John has taken a run, the right finger, to kind of go over to the right hand side. But with Ben Davis stops the ball and sends it back to Connor Goldson, he, he kind of just like, oh, he kind of stops up. And in image eight, you can see that huge space between the front tree. Like Ewan Henderson is, is all the way over, almost on one side. Campbell is a bit closer, high up. And Johan is kind of all the way over on the right hand side. And there's this huge space for Raskin to receive the ball in the middle. He doesn't get it. And image nine is like, Joan kind of, oh, I should kind of jog up and do here and gets a bit closer to Raskin. And Raskin can just kind of jump behind Hop and to receive the ball in such huge spaces. So in this kind of front press, it's like, it's just a mess. It's, it's a mess individually. Like just the striker doesn't press well, the right wingers doesn't press well, the attacking midfielder. It's just all these like weird decisions on the ball. Sometimes they give up too much space in the middle. Sometimes they give up too much space out wide as well. It just seemed in that kind of initial phase when like Rangers had the ball in their own half. It's, it's like they didn't know what they were doing. It was kind of just like vibes, really. And, and you, were, so, you know, we talked about how Real Madrid were vibes at the start of the season, but it's very different types of vibes, isn't it? It's slightly different, yeah. So, obviously, I think Real Madrid has the players to kind of, obviously, are exceptional players and they can solve this. But I think if you get down to Hibs level, and, I, you know, I haven't seen all the games of a weaker opposition, but against weaker opposition, I mean, this, this shouldn't really be a problem because you don't have the players. A lot of those teams won't even try to play out from the back. Hips, as I said, they, they keep the ball a lot and they, ha- they are good on the ball. So it's a team that suits having the ball and keeping possession. And yeah, and it, they, they commit a lot of men. So yeah, as I said, you know, they, they win a lot of balls back in a position half. They, they don't let the other team have a lot of passes for every defensive action they make. But unless it's structured when you face better teams, it's going to get killed. And then that's, I think that's pretty much what's, what's been happening with hips overall. Great. I mean, yeah. I was I mean, saying it in a very, I'm, 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 I'm almost feeling, feeling sorry for hips. I can't believe you've done that to me, Christian, but great, was, great news. Honestly. Um, I, I think I, 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 I implore the, the listeners to come and have a look at all these because, you know, I've shared a couple of videos with you as well. They're even better. Yeah. When there was videos, but, I think that that's the front press. Even see when Rangers got into Hips's half and Hips have to kind of defend there. I mean, image 10, I just laughed out loud when I saw this. This is Raskin. This is actually the phase after one of the situations where Hop just, you know, runs head down against Colson. Raskin, he's got a lot of space, so he's taking the ball up the field. And he gets to about the halfway line. And you have the two Hips central uh, midfielder, Diego and 
Egan Riley. Um, and then also have Johan as well. So it's kind of like a midfield tree. They have, um, so okay. And you have the back line of, of four. And then you kind of look at Ryan Kent. He's kind of just behind, I think is, is Jago there. So he's kind of moving behind the midfield tree and in front of the back four. Sakala is just in line with the back four. So he's, he, he decides to drop into the same space, only he drops down. Kent goes in, but all the hips players are just. You look at Jago; he's just ball watching, and Chris Cadden, who's kind of the closest to Sakala or Fish, or the centre back, they just watch as Sakala drops into this space. So, I think Raskin goes, "Bloody hell! What kind of league have I ended up in here?" Because he can just slide this really simple ball into that huge space either to a player who's gone behind the midfield tree or a player who's come drop deep into the same space. And you just go, it's just like, like they're just watching the ball all the time. And they, they're kind of completely unaware of any sort of, of what the movement of players around them. And to do this in different ways, like image 11 and 12 is like situations where I think Celtic could really exploit because Hibs do have quite a weak pressure on the centre-backs, maybe because to, like, to have that one sole presser, and he's, he's not a very good presser. Um, so you have this, you give the kind of the centre-backs, when they get close to the halfway line, give them a lot of time on the ball, but also you can see Hibs are quite a high line, right? So there's so many times Golson could pop it out wide or they can actually go straight over the back line. Yeah. Um, there's, there's situations where like an image 12 where Campbell, um, no, sorry. Um, is Jago the, the central midfielder who's tempted up and that kind of then pulls Hanlon, the center back up as well. But since there's no pressure on the center back and you have these kind of defensive midfielders and center backs jumping up to kind of cover players, you just pop it over them. And it's just, so I think players like, especially you, you, when you put Greg Taylor, when you put Alistair Johnson, if you've got someone like Aaron Moy a bit deeper, um, you know, that's players who can turn and play that ball straight away all day long to those kind of runners. So <laughs> I, I, I couldn't find one side of the Simpsons that weren't really bad at, right? Because structurally they, they go, they, you know, susceptible to those long balls. But then I thought I'd seen the worst, Chris, but see when they actually got into their own half, some of their, their actual pressing decisions or even just decisions about who to follow, getting into their own final third. It's just mad. Like image 13 is Chris Cadden, who's like, I'm sorry, sorry to say it, but he's, he's just stupid decisions again and again. It's like um, Barisic is taking the ball down the left-hand side Sakala is making a run out just behind, it's coming just behind Chris Cadden. So you kind of go, okay, well, you need to follow Sakala because, right, he's, he's running behind you. There, yeah. There's space behind you. But Barisic shapes to find, I think it's Kolak in the middle. Barisic sends the ball inwards to, to Kolak. Chris Cadden just runs inwards after, after the ball. And it's like, he's not, he's not even close to him. So Colas just pops it out to Sakala, who's, who's, who's free on, on the left-hand side. It's just, and Chris Cadden's not very good as Johan. Oh my, 
honestly, see if he plays right wing against Greg Taylor, Rio Hotate, and maybe Haxabana, which is bloody hell. Dost, uh, Chris Cadden and, and Johan. I mean, I mean, image 14 is just Chris Cadden and Johan, you know, they've got Ryan Kent and Baricic just in front of them in the first image. Ball goes back, Baricic plays the ball out to Raskin, and you kind of go, Raskin's in his own half. Mm-hmm. Baricic is wide, Kent is wide. Johan just Run straight at he, he runs straight at the Raskin into his own half. So Raskin just goes, what the hell is this? It just pops around him. And then suddenly, because Chris Captain is following Kent, you see the, the end of image 14. Parish has just got like a giant corridor for, for Kent to slip the ball into because Johan is, is, is nowhere. And it's just, it's just, it's just image after image after image after this. And like image 15, you can see this is more structural issue with hips. Like, they fall so low that you can see how like the, the back four is like about 20 yards from goals. But then I think it's Egan Riley, who's kind of fought in between uh, the back line, and the midfield line, but the midfield line is only three yards above hop. It's just like anyway. So you can, in, in the, it's image 15, Ryan Jack and Raskin can just walk into this big space. It's huge. Almost into hips. It's huge, man. It's, but it's honestly, I could have given you fifty images here, and and then this the stuff is just Campbell image sixteen. I think this is the last one. It's probably everybody's happy with this. Uh, also hips, but um, it's kind of Campbell. The ball kind of goes back to the halfway line. Raskin has it. Campbell is the attacking midfielder. He's got Kent right in front of him, and then Raskin plays the ball all the way to the right towards Goldson, just into his own half. Campbell just seems to forget that Ryan Kent stood right in front of him and now he's not right in front of him anymore. Where is he? Well, he's, he's dropped into the space <laughs> behind Campbell and in front of the midfield, like four now. And Egan Riley as well, who's, you know, Jago is looking after Cantwell. So you have Ryan Kent popping into this big space between the two, two forward players and the four midfielders now. Campbell isn't dropping on him. Egan Raleigh isn't jumping up on him. And obviously he jogs over and he, he receives the ball from Goldson I mean, so easily. And then Egan Raleigh goes, oh yeah, maybe I should get a bit closer. But, but Kent pops it out wide, it gets a corner in. So, I, you know, I, I can't believe Rangers only was leading 2-1 two, two at half time here. I mean, they, they, if that had been against a Celtic team, like, Berlin, yeah. honestly, it would have been 6-7 that half. It's so bad. Is I mean, it, I, I probably having said off that, Hibs just gonna, you know, turn into I don't know Saki's AC Milan now, but AC Milan. But it's you know, this uh, it was just one of the worst halves I've ever seen, and I've seen Aberdeen of that at Ibrox. See, in regard, right. so like, what if you're sitting here and you're Lee Johnson? Is it a case of resign? Yeah, I'm resign. Is it a case of keep doing what you're doing, or yes? You, yes. you, yeah, I, well, that's what we'd be saying to him. We'd be sitting on his shoulder like um, uh, the, the Jiminy Cricket, I guess. Um, w- w- is it a case of he can change and he will go to a low... Is, is he all of a sudden going to go back five, low block, um, just kind of clear the ball, try and get a point? Or do you think he'll keep playing how he's playing, how they're playing? I'd be, I'd be really interested to see what he does because the last two games... Celtic have ended up doing the same things to them, and we do, we have seen teams come up against 
Rangers just before the Celtic game. Like Livingston did this, Aberdeen did this. Play completely at like decent results as well. And then get Celtic on like the next game, play completely different. So I do wonder if he's, especially after this, if he's going to go, no, I just need to go to a back five and, and be a bit more careful. But it's not like they're, I, I watched this game, it's not like they've gone home either. Like, in most of these situations, it's not like there's a counterattack or stuff like that. It's, it's Rangers playing out from the back. But it's, it's just a little bit of movement makes it so easy for them. See if Celtic do the rotations, like if they, you know, have that constant movement, changing positions, dropping inwards, you know, centre midfielders dropping wide. I mean, if Hips is even close to being as bad as this, they're going to, it's going to be so much space. There's going to be, you know, so many ways of, of hurting them. And, uh, you know, if I was Johnston, I would probably just try and set up a wall and, and try and get away with it. Um, I, I mean, the only way Hibs can can probably win this is if I don't think they're a great counter-attacking side, it's probably to try and keep the ball. And it's not... This is the weird thing, though. They are a good team on the ball, right? They, 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 I mean, in terms of... If you look at somebody like, like Hearts, I think Hibs are better players on the ball and they're a better ball-playing team than than Hearts, for example. So, and as I said, there's been pairs in these games where they like, you know, kept the ball against Celtic. They tried to play against Celtic, and you know, they're, they're, you know if they want to try and win, you do that. But you have to have something after possession. I just, I just can't see it. This is sounding terrific, I'll be honest with you. That's uh, something a bit too good, isn't it? It uh, really is. It's too, too good yeah. to be true. I mean, Celtic, we know how Celtic are going to play. We know, you know, with the, with the occasional tweak of, you know, personnel, we know exactly how we're going to come out and how Celtic are, are putting. Could you really see this? If, if Hibs kind of line up the way they did against Rangers and Celtic get an early goal, for example, will it just be a case of, you know, the Alamo sort of thing? Not even, not even a early goal. I, I think, see if, Rangers just it's like if they play against like they did against Rangers, all Celtic will have to do is just keep doing those did what they always do. Even if they don't get a goal first 20, 30 minutes, like see once they get one or two, like keep doing it. I just can't see this hips team unless they drastically change what they're trying to do. And they're, they're, they're not just they're, right. not, they're not gonna do that in a week. They're not. I mean, they're really not going to try. Like, they, they're not going to no. be able to do that in a week. So, if I, just, I think just think it's a really, really bad coach. I think that's a you know, it's the players he has are not bad, and you know they, they should be where they are in the league anyway. Um, as I said, I think they probably have a style that you know lets them dominate lesser teams, and they can get their points from that. I word when they come up with somebody better. It's so bad. It's like. And it's still like on the ball, like yeah. I mean, it's, even against the like, Rangers and some pairs against Celtic, they're, they're good. But out of possession, woof. Well, music to my ears, Christian. Um, any kind of final points on 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 the game on Saturday? No, not really. Um, I'm, I'm I got my uh, Max's birthday party, so I might actually be able to see it live. So that's my final points. So you know, um, if it if I. If it is 10-0, you know, let me know. 
Really. <laughs> I'll, 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 be, I'll be checking the score and stuff, but yeah, I'll be hopefully looking forward to watching it back on uh, Saturday night. So. Lo- lo- lovely stuff. Uh, yeah. Christian Wolf, uh, pleasure as always, sir. That's just all mine.